thought uh, I, I, I appreciate all of your prayers, all that you've done, and I'm sure the Lord has been there for that reason with all of that I've gone through with this thing. I've, uh, but one thing I, this morning I realized, I said to Beverly, I said, would she finish dressing me? Am I ready to go on the school bus? It's been a long time since at our house that we had any children had to be dressed every day. But uh, it, it's amazing what you find that you can't do. You thought you could do that you can't do. And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a good five hours of sleep last night. It was wonderful to be able to stay in bed for five hours because I haven't been able to do that. And so the Lord is moving. He's helping, and I'm glad for that. And uh, we thank you for all of your prayers. But I want to share with you, I want you to know that next Sunday that our son will be here with us and uh, Jimmy will be coming with all of his friends. We want you to invite all of the uh, uh, folks that you know, especially children. And this program is not just for children. This is a Christmas program that will satisfy the whole church. He'll be speaking to all of us. And uh, But I just want to encourage you to... Uh, invite others and let them know that uh, he's going to be here and we'll have an exciting time together. We're looking forward to it. We don't get to spend a whole lot of time together because of his ministry and my ministry. And uh, once in a while we can get together and we enjoy that time when we can share together. Uh, a long time ago when he was much younger, he worked with me, but I must have worked him too hard because he left me. And so... Uh, Anyway, he's he's doing a great job up in western Pennsylvania. He's been at the same church for 29 years. That speaks well of him and his ministry there, and they love him, and we're sure thankful for that. I want to share with you this morning, uh, coming into Advent season, I want to share from the book of Mark, uh, Mark chapter 1, I want to begin with and go down through the first eight verses. I want to talk about the get ready man. Uh, the, uh, John the Baptist was considered to be the get Medi man. And it says in Mark chapter 1, verse number 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. A voice crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out from him all the land of Judea and of Jerusalem, and all of them were baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and girded with his skin with about with the loins and did eat locusts and wild honey. And preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, that laces of his shoes I would not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. I thought about a pastor telling of a story of a thin, lanky, tall prophet who went around in his boyhood hometown crying out, day after day, get ready, get ready, the world is coming to an end. And I thought when he preached that, I thought, you know, I knew a man like that. 
In fact, when I pastored in Bell Fountain, Ohio, we would go to Lima to the hospital and there was a man that stood on the street corner at a traffic light just as you entered the city. He was there every day, would spend 10 to 12 hours a day at that traffic light with his Bible open and sharing the gospel. In fact, he got out there and, and one day a car hit him, ended up in the hospital and the city, the people raised the money because he, he really didn't have any insurance and they raised the money to not only get him well, but then they bought him a vest. And he stood on that corner and the back of the vest said, get ready, get ready. And I thought about that. You know, if there could ever be a tag put on anybody like that, the tag could be applied to John the Baptist. For he was the get ready man, if there ever was one. A voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. You see, this is the season today of getting ready. That's what it's all about. Getting ready. The purpose of Advent, it is a time of getting ready for a celebration of the Lord Jesus Christ, His birth coming into this world. And so we ought to be getting ready for that. I think sometimes we, we're, we have difficulty in those occasions because we're kind of like the pastor that wanted to, to convey this message to his little children in the church. And so in the children's message, he, he had a bunch of little play plastic dolls. And he'd have the doll of, that he'd put out, and, and he put out Joseph and Mary, and he put out the, 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 the wise men, and he put out all of these people, and one little boy raised his hand in the midst of it all, and he said to the preacher, he said, the preacher said, what is it, young man? He said, why do you always leave the most important one to last? You know, we do that, don't we, in Christmas? We leave the most important one to last. We got decorations, that's why I got a broken arm. We got, we've got parties, we've got cookie showers, we have, we have presents to buy, but what do we do when it comes to celebrating the Lord Jesus Christ? What do we do? It kind of reminds me of Norm Larson telling about two friends that were visiting one day over in a coffee shop, and he happened to be there and overhear them. And he says these two ladies were sitting at the table and they were drinking coffee, and one was very hurried and nervous. She kept saying to the other lady as she was talking, she said, well, you know, she said, you know, there's just a few days to Christmas and I'm not ready. I haven't got a card signed yet. I haven't bought a present yet. I haven't got my tree up yet. I haven't got my cookies baked yet. And finally the, the, the other lady looked over at her and said, well, didn't you know it was coming? Well, you know what? Isn't that true of us? Don't you know that it's coming? Don't you know that, that Christmas is coming? That Christ is coming? And so when I begin to think about Advent, it gives us an opportunity to get ready for the celebration of the Lord's birth. Advent also urges us to get ready for something even more important. It reminds us of a greater event, where one of the greatest events that will ever occur other than the birth, the birth of Jesus Christ. And that is written in the Apostle Peter as he writes in his epistle. He said the day of the Lord will come as a thief. You know how a thief comes? He comes when we don't expect it. He comes when things are, are you know, when you, you, you least think about it. You, you, you know, the one time you didn't lock the door. The one time you left something exposed. The one time you laid something down that you shouldn't have laid down and somebody stole it. Well, you know what the Bible says? That the Lord will come like a thief. Even the angels do not know that when Jesus will come and bring down the curtain on human history. 
only thing you and I can do today, the only thing that you and I can do is to get ready. And one of the ways of getting ready is that we need to wait. And we need to be constantly vigil and watching. And we need to get ourselves ready knowing that there's going to come a day when we least expect it, Jesus is going to come again. The message of the get ready to prepare the way of the Lord is one that all of us need to take to heart. For one thing, we don't know what the future holds. And I thought about that. You know, this last year, without even looking any further, this last year, some of the things, could you have ever predicted the sequences of events of this past year? Never have we seen the floods and the mudslides all over the nation. Where have we ever seen such fires that has burned the forests and burned lands and homes and things all around? Where have you seen so many tornadoes that have taken place and lives being destroyed in homes and things being taken away? When have we ever seen a line of people, thousands of people, standing at the border with all the problems we have? How many of us would ever realize that? The turmoil in the Middle East, it's been an amazing year. One surprise after another, we simply don't know what tomorrow may bring. That's the reason why that we need to listen to what the John the Baptist is saying. We need to get ourselves ready because we don't know what God has in store. And believe me, I've learned that. Life has a way of catching us. We never know. The older we get, my friend, the more we are aware of life's uncertainties. And I've got proof of it right here. The first thing one of the ladies said to me when I went to the emergency room, she said, you know, older people shouldn't get on ladders. I said, who's old? Okay? I mean, I mean, the reality of the fact of, of we don't know. We, we never expect this. I mean, we would have thought that, that, you know, that this would be a great Christmas. We'd be able to do all the things we wanted to do and, and go and do things that needed to be done. Instead, it's become a cancellation list. Okay? Because we don't know what the future holds. None of us do. We simply do not know what lies ahead, what might happen next. For, what, for another thing, life is uh, very fragile. I want you to know that life is fragile. The debate over, uh, I thought about this, you know, the debate over the greenhouse effect is, has been one of the things that politicians have used for years. And I can remember seeing the headlines that said, within five years, the, the, the greenhouse effect is going to destroy all these things. And then later they found out that the scientists really exaggerated. They didn't know because that five years is come and gone. But it made me think of this. It made me realize, the sobering realize, the dependence on that thin layer above us in the atmosphere. And the thinner layer that we are walking on. Life, my friend, is fragile. We don't know how long or how long this world will last. We don't know when Jesus will come bursting through, my friend, and saying, this is the day. We don't know, but we can be ready. We can prepare ourselves. We live in a fragile universe. You may have seen the bumper sticker, life is short, eat dessert first. You know, I thought about that. You know, I heard that Brian sometimes does that. I better watch picking on him. He'll turn my mic off. But you know what? Sometimes, you know, we do. I, I remember the lady that was making preparations for a funeral and, and you know, the pre-need, getting all the things, picked out the right color she wanted inside of that casket and the kind of flowers that she wanted. And finally she came down and he says, is there anything else? She said, yes. 
She said, when you lay me out, I want a fork. I got a silver fork and I want it put in my hand. And he said, what for? She said, because the best is yet to come. Let me tell you something. If you're ready to meet Jesus, the best is yet to come. The best is out there in the future for us. If we just only trust Him and believe. Our individual lives are fragile in the world we live in. My friend, it, 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 how many of us have been you know, shocked of the death? I, I can't even remember uh, the, the Jim... Uh, what was his name? Jim Henson, a few years ago, just a young man in his 30s, developed the Muppets. Many of you remember that. I mean, he had the world at his feet. I mean, he had money. He had popularity. Who would have ever believed? But you know, he, it was a weekend and, and he had a little infection and he thought, well, I don't want to bother the doctor. I, I don't want to bother him on the weekend. I'll wait till the first of the week and by the time the first of the week came and by the time he got the appointment to get in to see that doctor, that infection had taken over and in his young age, when he least expected it, his life was gone just like that. Why? Because we don't know. I thought about this, you know, so many times. I don't know how many of you follow the Gaithers or not, but we've always loved them. We've always enjoyed them and still do to this day. But I, I can remember uh, uh, them traveling around. And Anthony Berger was a marvelous piano player. You could throw anything in front of him and he could play it. I mean, who would have expected that man? As I saw the tape, they showed the tape, the night performance before the day he was taken home to be with the Lord. And I can remember, you got to be careful. But he, you know, the, the the night before he died, he would play for them. He played for all of them. And he just up and down that keyboard. Who would have ever believed that the next day he would be in eternity? I mean, a gifted man. It makes no difference. You see, it happens to all of us. I had a professor in college. Also had some houses rented when I was in Houston. Some of you may know the Ogles. Edwin Ogle. Ed and his little wife. We, we worked with them in Texas City when I was in school. And, and uh, we became close friends. And they came to our very first pastor. They came up through and they stayed and worked, preached the weekend. And we got in our little old camper and we took them all out to Anderson Camp Meeting. My wife and I slept in a hammock in that trailer and they set to bed. I mean, we had a wonderful relationship and we scheduled a fall meeting with them. You're going to come back and hold a revival. My people loved them. And so we scheduled a meeting and, and, and a phone rang on Friday before he was supposed to start on Sunday. And it was Sister Ogle. She said, Brother Swagger, she said, I got some bad news. I said, what's happened? She said, Daddy's had a heart attack last night. He's went home to be with the Lord. You see, here was a man that was we were already prepared for, already advertised. Had our people all excited. Had, and back then, you know, we could get other churches. We had three other churches in the area. We had them all scheduled to come in and bring their music one night, and they were going to come and support that revival. And I had to call all of them and cancel it because I was going to Houston for a funeral. You see, life is fragile. And you don't know, and I don't know, I, I need to thank God, and I've learned this, thank God every morning that I can wake up and I can put my feet on the floor because life is fragile. You don't know when the, what the next turn might be. I thought about, you know, life is fragile. In fact, everything is fleeting. When you think about it, I, I heard on the news just not long ago a fellow that, that loved his wife and, and uh, not, not like Dick's uh, story this morning, but in fact I thought he was going to take my story for a minute there, but you know, he does it once in a while. 
But anyway, this fellow from, I heard on the news, it was from Illinois. And he, he was from over there in a little town called Spring Valley, Illinois. And he loved his wife dearly. And so he, she had some, she had some diamonds from, from her mom and her grandma that, that, that the rings was in bad shape, but the diamonds were good and they were wonderful. And she had uh, some rubies. And so he decided for her birthday, he would take those diamonds and those rubies and go to the jewel store and, and have them put in a set in a brand new ring for her. For her birthday. So he got the ring and it looked wonderful. And so he went and got a, 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 a card that was so loving and so compassionate for her birthday. And, and, and to put, to put it all together, he got that ring and he got that card and he thought, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy me a big heart helium balloon and, and I'm gonna have some words on it for her. And so he took that ring and he tied it to that balloon and he tied the, 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 the envelope to it and he put it in the back seat of his car and he went home and just as he got home and pulled into the driveway, he reached in the back to pull out that balloon and it slipped through his hands and away the ring and the card and everything went into the air. It was gone. Well, you know what? Sometimes life is like that. Sometimes the things that we think we've got to hold on to, it's gone in just a few seconds. You don't believe it? You've watched the people that get themselves. You know there are businesses that no longer exist. Who would have ever thought that that Sears and Roebuck would be out of business? I mean, as a kid growing up, that's all I heard about was Sears and Roebuck. You know, but now they're gone. You see, things don't last forever. Life is fragile. Things do. Most of you won't lose your positions or your possessions through healing balloons. But I'm going to tell you something. They are no less fleeting than that. Because everything that you're holding on to, everything that you try to hold on to, I want to tell you something. One of these days when your heart skips two beats and you hit the floor and you end up in that funeral parlor, everything you had and held on to is going to go to somebody and most of the time it ends up in an auction or a plea market somewhere. Because your kids is like my kids. They don't want what we got. They, they ain't interested in the stuff we have. <laughs> Who wants that old stuff, you know, unless you're an antique lawyer. And so you see, life is that way. That's the way life is. We never know, none of us, because life is fragile. All of us have things in our lives that need to be set right. All of us. I read, I read, I read a story. A little boy. I, I love a kid's story. I read a story. A little boy. He was sitting at the dinner table on Wednesday night, and he looked over to his mom and he said, "Mom, I, I need to tell you. The teacher said there's going to be a PTA meeting tomorrow night, a small one. Going to be held tomorrow night, six o'clock." She said, "Well, son, if it's just a small one, maybe I don't need to go." He said, "Yeah, you do. It's just you and me, the teacher and the principal." Well, you know, sometimes sometimes we need to make things right. All of us. There are some things that are in our life that probably need to be made right. And, you know, just like this little boy, you know, they just need to know that there are something. Now, that little boy, may he, he got himself into some difficulty. Well, a Sunday school teacher was asked by a little girl, was asked by a little girl, what are the sins of omission? And so the teacher asked a question to her class, and the little girl looked up and uh, she answered. She said, well, I-, I believe they are the sins that that we ought to have committed but haven't thought of yet. <laughs> you know? I, and that's the way children think. It's a sin. Sins that, that we ought to have committed, we just haven't thought about them yet. 
Well, most people have sins of omission and commission. There's a dark side to everybody's character. There's a dark side somewhere along that hide. My friend, we hide things and, and we don't want nobody to know about it. I mean, you know, if we spill something, then we kind of mess it around. And even though it gets a little sticky, we don't want to tell anybody we spilled it. We, 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 don't want to, we, we may have done something we don't want to say about. But let me tell you something. All of us have those things in our lives. There's a dark side. But I want to tell you something. God knows about each and every one of them. You know what I thought? I thought about the other day. I said, there's nothing on TV. That once in a while you get a show. I, I seen a show the other day on TV. It was showing out in other parts of the country and around the world on how they catch fish. In this part of the country out there, were way out the, the, by the ocean, they, 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 you know, they didn't have all the fancy stuff we have, so they built wooden crates with little slats in them. And then they'd lower them, they'd put bait in them, and they'd lower them down in the ocean. And they would leave them down there sometimes for four or five days, maybe a week. And then they'd come along and they'd pull it up. Well, the reason they left it down there was it had bait in it. And those fish would slide through those little cracks that they had and they'd eat and eat and eat and eat and eat until they got too big to get through the slats to get back out. And when I read that and saw that, I thought, wow, that'll preach. Because that's exactly what the devil does. That's exactly what the devil does. This is the way sin works in your life. He sneaks in on you. Nobody ever sets out to become an addicted person. Nobody ever sets out in their life to become an adulterer. Nobody ever goes out and sets deliberately to be cruel and uncaring and and mean. You see, they're kind of like the... You know what happens? We're kind of like the frog in the hot water. You know, we get out there and the water's nice and warm and sin feels good and we think it's a wonderful thing, but then the heat gets turned up until finally we begin to feel the heat and we get on fire. Pretty soon we're boiling. That's what happens with people in their life. Nobody becomes a sinner just like that. You see, we think, we taste, we try, and then we get hooked. Just like those fish, we get hooked. And that's why sin comes into our lives. You intend to be loving. You intend to be kind. You intend to be a people that people would like. You you intend to fashion your life like Jesus. But remember, you're not Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal to you when things are not right. You need to listen to what the Word has to say. You need to listen to the words of John the Baptist that is calling every one of us to repent. Repent of your sins, he said. Repent. You need to hear those words. You don't know, my friend, what the future may bring because life is fragile and all of us have to make preparations for that final word. Well, the message to the get-ready man is a message of hope. I know I've labored a lot about this morning about the uncertainties of life and, and your need to face the uncertainties. But no follower of Christ can be pessimistic. I can't be pessimistic when I know that God's in control. When I know that God is still Emmanuel, that He is still with us. You see, we need to understand and know that. I think in life sometimes things can be difficult. I almost had to laugh when I 
read in a, in a, in a preaching magazine not long ago about Benjamin Garrison who tells about a computerized chess game. He said, Garrison said his wife bought him, he loved chess and nobody else wanted to play with him, so he bought him a computerized one. He got that computerized chess game and he started playing and started playing. He couldn't beat it. And one night she went in the room and he was just screaming and yelling and shouting about that chess game. He, he was selling that chess game. If you're going to cheat, I'm not going to play with you stupid thing again. Well, you see, the thing was, the chess game wasn't so stupid. The fact of the matter was that Garrison thought he was making some good moves in the very beginning of the game and he was not making them real good. The computerized one knew, and so he was making all these fancy moves. And every once in a while, he'd make one that was good, and then it was bad, and then it was good. And when it come down to the end, you see, the computerized game couldn't be beat. And I thought about that. You know, that's a game of life is the same way. Do you realize that at the birth of Christ, that life is a game? And God, from the very beginning, began to move into people's lives through a little baby called Jesus. Every move that He made was made for a reason. He let us go on because we're human and He doesn't make our choices. And so through life, we've made some good choices and we've made some bad choices. And we made some good choices and we made some that was very bad. Then we made some pretty good ones. But all along, God's following our path and He's saying to us, I've got the ultimate goal for you. God, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, it was not His will that any should suffer or perish. God had a plan for your life. You're not, you're not here to develop your plan. God has a plan for you. What you need to do is make the right moves. The right moves, my friend, just like it was in a chess game, my friend. There, there is this world that we live in, the move to secure the future, the move to guarantee our outcome. Meanwhile, He allows you and me to go on making our moves on the chessboard of life. Some are good and some are unbelievably bad. But you see, the message of the advent of Christmas is God's not forgotten His people. God knows all about what we're doing with our uncertainty of our world and the fragileness of our world. God understands exactly what's needed. We need Him in our lives. I thought about back in... Many of us remember the coal mine accidents. Back in 2002, up in western Pennsylvania, nine miners down in a mine, and the water began to gush in, flooded the mine. It hit the news nation, nationwide. Nine miners, nine miners down in that pit for hours upon hours and hours, day after day after day. And they had that television camera on them. And these miners down there, they were, there was a few of them that had been Christian and they began to pray. And they said, you know what we need to do? We need to take this rope and we need to tie it around our waist. And then go to the next one and tie it around their waist. So that if one gets weak, the stronger can help the weak one. And then if they find us, if they find one of us, they found all nine of us. And that went on for six days. On the seventh day, there was a big explosion of people plotting because they saw one man walk out and then another and then another helping the other. All nine of those men come out of that mine alive after seven days. 
following Sunday, the local pastor decided they would have a service of worship and thanksgiving to God. On the altar they lined up miners' lamps. There were four on this side. And they looked over here. Instead of having five, there were six. And somebody said, well, why would we have ten lamps when there are only nine miners? And the preacher says, because we're not here to celebrate the nine miners. We're here to celebrate the tenth miner, the one that brought them out, that kept them alive. And you know what? That's exactly what we do at Christmas. We're not here to celebrate just the birth of Jesus. We're to celebrate Jesus who came to this earth, gave His life, died on a cross, was resurrected to give us hope and to give us salvation today. See, that's what Christmas is all about. But it only happens when we get ready. We've got to get ready for it. In closing this morning, I thought about the young fellow that had become part of the Marines and or part of the Navy, and his first assignment out was to leave New Orleans by boat. He got out there in the ocean, and a big storm came, and he got so sick. When I read the story, I knew what it was about because I tell you, one time they took me out on Lake Erie. I'm gonna tell you what, buddy, I've never been so sick in all of my life. I never in my life been. I didn't know what I was going to do. I couldn't get out of the boat. I was out so far. This fellow was in his boat. He was so sick, they put him in a bunk in sick bay. And he laid there and he said, I prayed, God, you got to help me. He said, I didn't think I'd ever get out of there. I was going to die. And finally, he said on the third day, he kind of lifted his head off the bunk, looked out the window, and found out that because of the storm, they had docked that boat in Galveston, Texas. For three days, he laid on that boat sick as a dog when he could have walked 40, 14 or 15 feet and been on dry land and got help. I thought, you know what? We laugh at that. But there's a lot of people that live their life that way. They live in misery when all they have to do is stand up and say, God, I need help. They suffer with pain when they could cry out and say, God, I can't stand it any longer. You see, God is right with us all the time. He's never left us. He's as close as the very breath that you breathe. So anybody that has a need that is sick of sin, that is sick of misery, that is sick of the situation that they're going through in their life, all they have to do is get... Respond to God to help them to get ready to get beyond that. And He'll take you beyond it today. But you know what? That man could have laid in that bunk until he died had he not got out and walked ashore. There are people that will sit in church pews week after week after week, year after year after year, never make that commitment, and will die and will go to a devil's hell when they were that close to going into eternity with God. My friend, Christmas is an important time. It's a time to get ready. Are you ready for Him? Are you ready for that gift that He wants to give you? He'll give it to you today if you respond. Let's stand together. Father, this morning we thank You for...
privilege of being in the house of the Lord. Thank you for the folks that have come this morning. We just ask, Lord, that, that Lord, if there's one here today, the Lord, that's discouraged and in need, and Lord, they've never, never really trusted you for everything that they needed in their life. Let this be the day, Lord, that they realize that it's not you that's waiting, it's them. Father, speak to hearts and lives. Help them, Lord, to receive that precious gift of Jesus in their heart and life today as we sing this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first Noel The angel did say Was to certain poor shepherds In fields as they lay In fields